It is Thursday, August 18th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who's willing to come to your neighborhood to break up a cat fight. <laughs> J.P. Shedrick. <laughs> well, maybe. Careful. Uh, welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. My name is J.P. Shadrick. We'll leave that one alone. Here's what's coming up. Busy show ahead. Busy couple hours, in fact. It's preseason week two. The Pittsburgh Steelers come to town this Saturday night. We'll discuss the Jaguars starters and their playing time. Doug Peterson announced that today. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman standing by to join us. And then the Doug Peterson show at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars radio network. No Doug tonight. We'll hear a lot from Doug Peterson, though. He spoke today before practice, the final practice at the Episcopal School of Jacksonville Sports Campus. Well, let's start with head coach Doug Peterson. The question today, the final uh, press conference for Doug Peterson before that week two preseason game. Well, he was asked, of course, about the starters in that game against the Steelers. How long will they go this week? From from a playing standpoint, I, d- I definitely want to see the the starters go into the second quarter uh, again this week. I think our defense needs to be on the field a little bit more. Um, you know, they've played well in the first two games. They just haven't played long enough. Um, so I definitely want to see them play a little bit more. You know, offensively, if we can if we can do the things we did last week and, and sort of clean up some of the, the execution things, yeah, into the second quarter. And he mentioned that the defense just hasn't played a lot. They've played well. Well, last week they allowed 10 yards and got a takeaway in three possessions for the Browns' starting offense against the Browns' starting offense. The front seven had a bunch of guys out in the Hall of Fame game, so they just need a little more time on task, and you'll see that apparently Saturday evening. Well, Peterson still has his eyes on the right tackle battle. It's still raging, of course, for Walker Little and Jawan Taylor. It's an interesting battle. Um, you know, I think I think this game will be important for both both players. Um, you know, and, and I, I like how Jawan's responded coming off the injury and, and how he's how he played last week and how he's practiced. Walker's done done an outstanding job as well. So it's very interesting. You know, for us, um, we're kind of in a good spot with it because you, you can kind of go either way and, and, and the other guy can be the swing tackle or or whatever. So um, I think this week will be important. And then even when we go to Atlanta and practice against Atlanta will be another another good opportunity for both of them. Yeah, the game coming up Saturday, two practices against the Atlanta Falcons next week in Flowery Branch. And uh, we'll see about playing time, if any. Who knows by then they might have decided it by the end of those practices. And finally, saying thanks to the Episcopal School of Jacksonville on the final day of practice at the Night Sports Campus. My hat's off to Episcopal for allowing us to, uh, you know, come out here and, and sort of invade their their space a little bit. Our, uh, you know, also to our grounds crew to, you know, to put these fields down and, and really a lot of work and a lot of a lot of man hours went into you know getting getting us over here um you know from the from the buses every day to you know just the timing of everything and i uh, just can't say enough good things about this situation the guys have really enjoyed it kind of getting away from our building a little bit and getting outside here and uh it's been it's been really good and and uh, we've been very fortunate to have this 
That's head coach Doug Peterson. Of course, after practice today, the head of school, the Reverend Adam Green, and the director of athletics, Andy Kidd, were invited by Peterson to break down the team. 13 of the first 14 practices of training camp were at those fields for Episcopal, and those fields now return to the Episcopal soccer and lacrosse teams. Jeff Lagerman joins me now, who's um, you, you played a lot of soccer and lacrosse. I could feel that. Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. I was big. Big into soccer Absolutely. and lacrosse. Now, I, I appreciate the sports, but uh, never played them. Pretty cool though to to have that opportunity to to you know to go over to Episcopal and they open their doors. The Jaguars put in the fields, and it was really a nice team effort for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I got to say that I had numerous conversations with a lot of different people in the Jaguars organization as far as the utilization of that field, and they said uh, tremendous. They were actually anticipating maybe some some complications, issues, you know, difficulties with it. But they said there it has been flawless. And so there's a lot of people that need credit for that. And and I'm not going to go down the list, but uh, for everybody that had a part in that, congratulations, you did an amazing job. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that this is the last day that that will be utilized by the Jaguars. Uh, I would understand it maybe if Episcopal had – some pressing events that needed to get out there on those fields. But for the most part, you know, school is in session when the Jaguars have been practicing. And why not take advantage of maybe utilizing those fields for a little bit longer to keep some of the pressure uh, or the wear and tear off of the stadium field? Because that's where they're going to be going next. Right. Well, I think there are plans throughout the season to resurface the game field a number of times. Right, but I mean, that's... They, and they have it ready to go in the Can't do budget. it every week, you know. And right. So look. they've got to pick their spots, especially the, the right. real tricky part will be middle of the season, October, because there's uh, two college football games on it. The Jaguars are home a lot in that month. Early in the season, they're gone three out of four weeks to start the season. Same in December as well. So th th they've scheduled it out. I think they're going to work it out and, and see – if they can uh, manage it, I, think I can they will. tell you. I can tell you this: the grounds crew that, first of all, they were the ones that that helped get this new field established over there at Episcopal, and it's the Jaguars ground crew over here at uh, TIA Bank Stadium. That that what's amazing to me is that they're going to be. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about having a, a, an incredibly busy year. I mean, if if you're going to resod that field twice. And then get that thing up to NFL standards on game days. I mean, wow. Uh, kudos to those guys because they did a marvelous job. And uh, and I'm kind of going to miss it a little bit, you know. It's just pretty cool to go over there. It feels like training camp. When you go away, it always feels like training camp for a player, you know. It was nice to, to hop on the shuttle in the morning. The sun's coming up at 7 o'clock. Birds are chirping. Gnats are biting your legs. Yeah, it's like humidity you're out there. is 100%. The whole thing. It was nice to kind of get your head right and get over there. The, uh, the bus service, I'm sure that they're going to have to do a deep cleaning on the buses now. Oh, yeah. Right, after practice, oh, all the players buddy. coming back. Yeah. Sure. All right, so Doug Peterson today asked, of course, the question about starters and playing time in preseason week two. We just heard from him there. Well, into the second quarter, he said. He didn't promise the third quarter. A lot of times in the dress rehearsal game, if you will, you might see guys come out at halftime. He didn't necessarily say they weren't doing that, but he said into the second quarter again. So it, just, it kind of feels like almost halftime, or at least well, halftime to me. Well, he, he didn't promise the whole second quarter. That's right. You know, so a lot of this could be performance-related. A lot of this could be, okay, let's see what the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing so that if, if they have their guys out there, then 
we want to have our guys out there because that's the best reps that our guys can get. And if if their ones are out, why would we leave our ones to go against twos? You know, because you want to have the you want to have the the competition of their best against your best. That's what you have a preseason game for. If it's not that, then you're like, okay, what do we what do we gain by having our guys out there? So I think it's going to be an interesting watch, but. Nonetheless, I'm excited about seeing a lot of different guys that uh, we haven't seen yet. Christian Kirk, Jamal Agnew on the offensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. I want to see Trevor not have kind of a slow start. I want to see him come out of the gate fast. I want to see the defense more consistent. I mean, there's so many different things that you want to see because I got a feeling, JP, Yes, this is the last that we're going to see of the starters because once you go to Atlanta, you have two days of practicing with them. And we've seen it's in, in the past with all, not all, most NFL teams, if they have work with another team, whether it be at your place or their place, they work a couple days together, then you see no starters play because they're putting all their starters in to get those reps mm-hmm. in the practices, and then the backups are the ones that get the majority of the preseason game action. So this could be the last opportunity for – Doug Peterson's team to kind of get some of the kinks out before they open up in Washington. To what Peterson said earlier today, we just heard that also about the defense. Well, yeah, you need to see the defense, period, right? I mean, they haven't played a lot of snaps. I mean, last week, Trayvon Walker had nine snaps in the game, and that means the starting defense was out there for three drives. They had a three and out, a takeaway, another short drive, and you know they just got to get out there and play a little more football. Well, and you want to see the offense more, too. Um, even though the offense had more snaps, but uh, the defense did their job. You know, they were look. They made Deshaun Watson look terrible. Yeah, they made the Browns look inept on offense, and and uh, and I'm sure a lot of the fans love that just because it was Deshaun Watson leading that opposing offense, and so good for the Jaguars' defense. But yes, the, I think they need the the challenge. They need the reps, and look, you always feel like your guys are going to need the reps. But the reality is sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. That's the way that the current NFL is. And in some cases, you're not going to have guys that get any reps at all. You know, Devin Lloyd is not going to get any reps at all before at some point he's going to return to the starting lineup because you believe that he's one of your best linebackers. That's why you drafted him in the first round. So he's going to come into the fold kind of cold, and that's a little bit scary. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. We're on Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media as well, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We're on Twitter, at JP Shadrick, at Logs56. And the Steelers-Jaguars game is brought to you by Pet Paradise, the official pet care provider of the Jaguars. Book today at PetParadise.com. Let's shift now to a couple of the battles on the offensive line. All eyes are on the right tackle battle, of course, Walker Little and Jawan Taylor. Both were trading time again today. It was a light practice today. They didn't. They went about half speed, no pads, all that stuff. But they were both getting time with the first team again today. And Doug Peterson was right there a moment ago saying it. Hey, this is a big game for them. And then the practice is next week. So it feels like this is far from over at right tackle. Well, I think it's, it's interesting for a couple reasons. Because last week you had Walker Little kind of in the lead. Well, Jawan Taylor was missing time with an injury, and Walker Little was in there with the starters for the entire time, and he was getting better. He plays the the Hall of Fame game in Canton and does an excellent job. Well, then the next game comes. He doesn't play quite as well. 
Juwan plays. Now he's back in the fold, and Juwan's doing pretty good. And then the last two days, uh, I thought Walker Little's fallen off a little bit. How? Uh, well, let me give you an example. One-on-one pass rush yesterday, Smoot put him on his cam. Really? I'm talking right on the old duff, man, right on the cam. And it didn't look pretty. And so when you have plays that happen like that, then uh, then you, as a coach, I think you start to wonder, can can we trust this guy? And and so I, I think this, this battle has kind of wavered back and forth as to where you think it's going to go. At first you're thinking, okay, and I was thinking, okay, this is Walker Littles to lose. Well, then he's faltered a little bit after this last game and the last couple of days of practice, and Juwan has done okay. Um, I think the reality is I'd like to see both of them do better than they're currently doing. But either way, the best situation for this team is for that competition to just continue to drag on. Okay. And because the best decision that you make as a coach, I think, is the one in which the players are essentially making the decision for you to where it's very obvious. You, it's like staring you in the face. Hey, so-and-so is better, and if you can't see it, then you're blind. And it's not happening yet. There's still some time. You have this game, and then you have the practices with the Falcons. Yeah. And you still have the game with the Falcons. And if you have to, you carry that battle all the way as long as you can. But the part that I don't like is that you would like to have – I mean, Walker Little, I thought he had an opportunity to kind of cinch it this past game in the first part of this week, and he didn't do that. Mm. And, and and I think part of that is is the little bit of a falter, but I also think it's a little bit of an improvement from Jawan Taylor. So uh, stay tuned on that. Uh, still keep your eyes on it because that's still – a competition in progress. We'll uh, a little bit later discuss the other battle on the offensive line at left guard and has been a changing of the guard, if you will. Um, we'll get to that coming up. In Boy, just JP, a that was brilliant. Yeah, you see what I changing did there? Changing of the guard. See? You've been waiting all day. I've to been use holding that, that one line. in my I back pocket you. for a little while. <laughs> uh, PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. We're back in a moment. We'll hear from Trevor Lawrence and the week he's had on the practice field and this offense trying to get things going heading into preseason week number two. Of course, coming up at 5 o'clock, Doug Peterson's show. We'll hear from the head coach from throughout the week ahead of this matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we're off and running on Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. We were just talking about just so many different looks you see from our defense. It's uh, it's really good for us because you see every look. So then when in the, in the game, if they throw something at you that you didn't game plan for, you know we've already seen it on the practice field. So from that standpoint, it's great. But also it can be tough when you get in these periods where you're working third and medium to long every play and you're seeing every different type of pressure known to man. and. Um, you didn't really have, you can't game plan for it because they have everything in. So that's just honestly kudos to, to them for uh, dialing it up today. You know, they got us on a few and um, just being able to watch that tape and all, all of us talk about it together, how we're going to protect it, what are our route adjustments, and also protection wise, like what would we rather be in versus certain looks. So, I mean, the more you can get to that, the better. That's just going to help us. But yeah, it wasn't our sharpest day offensively, but um, that's what I was just saying. You got to really, that's one thing I've learned is you got to be focused on the next day, not worry about what, what just happened, what happened yesterday. Um, really focus on the next one. 
Welcome back. It's Jaguars awesome. happy hour. That is Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence yesterday. And Jaguars game day radio is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. Do good. Bank better. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Glad you're along with us. Coming up at 5 o'clock, it's the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jags head coach from throughout the week. Ahead of this Jaguars-Steelers matchup coming up. Well, Trevor Lawrence and the offense didn't have a great day. Let's just put it plainly on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's fair. That's a fair assessment. Um, Some interceptions, uh, some miscommunication in the backfield. And at least one instance I saw in a running play, they kind of ran into the running back and didn't work out. And the defense is making plays all day. And as you heard uh, Trevor say there, yeah, blitzes, it's third and long. You know they're going to come, but they were showing a bunch of different things. And it just didn't look good at all on offense on Wednesday. But, yeah, he talked a little bit about what you can take away and move forward. But at some point, you still have to move forward from some of that, too. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't uh, wasn't the best performance the other day for um, which was yesterday for the offense. Monday night, I thought they had a pretty good practice. Oh yeah, sure. And uh, so so now you have okay one day that's pretty good, the next day that's not so great. And Trevor talked about in his press conference after the Wednesday Wednesday practice about you know the need to find consistency. And so very true. And that offense is about consistency. Winning teams and performances about consistency. But offense, that has to be paramount because the more you're consistent, the more opportunities you're going to have for success as an offense. And, and Trevor's a big part of that. And that's part of the growth process when you're, you're in a new system, you have new players, you have a young quarterback. That's, that's what you're striving for every day. The one thing that I think that we'll see in the future, and JP, you and I kind of were, were talking about this a little bit, is that Trevor is still new in this system, and he's and he's got a lot of new teammates, and he's got new coaches, and and so that comfort level is is a process, and it's still happening. And at some point, when that comfort is there, and the success, et cetera, is there, I don't want to say ownership because I think he owns it now, but I think the the expectation and raising the level of expectation of yourself, your own performance, and then those around you once you once you get your performance where it needs to be. And, and I don't want to say that he needs to go around and yelling at guys. That's not my point. But my point is, is, to, is to maybe be a little bit more vocal. And I think that that will come. And, you know, Philip Rivers is like everybody in, on the planet wants somebody to be like Philip Rivers. Yeah, you know, he's, yeah. he's got the emotion and the facial expressions and – and that's not what I'm saying that Trevor needs to be, but I, but you want to have that more assertive comfort when, uh, with your quarterback in the offense, and that takes some time. And at some point, he's going to feel that comfort, and then also uh, the success that he has will enable him to do some of that. There was a bunch of drops on the practice as well. It was, it was going around. It wasn't well, just JP, Trevor. Well, the, JP, the practice, I mean, you had uh, – Guys going off with heat or sickness or whatever. I mean, it was that. Yeah, the, the one – I'll never forget in the uh, late 80s and early 90s watching a 49ers football team that was just so efficient. Sure. With John Taylor and Jerry Rice and Roger Craig and Joe Montana – Bill Walsh, George Seifert, because they kind of went through two different coaches there. 
the consistency of that football team. Tom Rathman was also a part of that. Their, their consistency was just so good. And the way that they practiced in, in San Francisco was a thing of legend of how they ran the practice and about how efficient that they had to be. It wasn't the most physical practices, but it was efficiency. And Doug Peterson is, is trying to strive for the same type of thing, and obviously they've got a ways to go. And that's what we're in. Look, the reality is we're in the preseason of a, of a young quarterback's second year mm-hmm. with a new coach and a new system, and it doesn't happen – at a snap of a finger, and over or overnight, it takes time. Same idea when we went to New England for training camp that year, and you saw the efficiency with which the Patriots did their work. And there's a reason as why. A, as a team, absolutely, everybody from top to bottom was where they needed to be, and and didn't really have to go, you know, super physical crazy, but they knew exactly what they needed to get done. Well, and. You're, you establish that over time, and then once you establish it, then, then you have your players that already know what the, the expectation is. Then, then the players that have been here pass that on to the new players or the young players so that the expectation and the, uh, uh, the, the knowledge of where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do it's all part of that growth process, and that's, you know, it's a very, very early on in the process here, and uh, and it's going to be a process that doesn't just end once the season opens in Washington. You know, this this is going to be a growth process for this football team, at least you would hope so, that this team continues to get better and improve and establish the culture and the expectations as this season is going through, and that's the one thing I think that. It takes sometimes it takes time to understand is that once you enter the season, okay, it doesn't mean that okay, we're done getting better. Now we just need to play the games. No. Constant never ending improvement continues to roll through the season, through the NFL regular season. It's ten ten XL ninety two point five FM and on Jaguars.com. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. JP Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Let's flip it around to defense now and Another number one overall pick in Trayvon Walker. He spoke today to the media. That press conference available on Jaguars.com if you want to check it out. And he's kind of getting his comfort level, it seems like. I checked it out earlier today, as a matter of What'd fact. What'd you think? He's great. He's uh, he's all about ball. It seems that way, right? Oh, my God. And that's the, that's the perfect guy you want. He is a uh, – you can tell that he is all about football. I know that uh, watching him the first two games – I was watching him, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, because I always like to draw comparisons of guys. I mean, and I'm not trying to say that they become these guys, but everybody has a style of play that you can maybe look back in, in NFL history or Jaguars history and say, you know, he plays a lot like so-and-so. Or his game, he's he's kind of like player X, you know, as far as the way that he, he moves or the way that he plays. And I, and I kept racking my brain after watching Trayvon in the first two games trying to think of somebody that I could maybe draw a comparison to, and I finally finally hit me. One of the guys that I was always a big fan of when I played, and he was playing at the same time, and I used to love watching him, his film, and he used to do some things that I just couldn't do because he was just so physically strong. Chris Dolman. 
about that? Chris Dolman had wow. the length, the strength, the athleticism, and Trayvon reminds me of Chris Dolman. And as I said, I'm not trying to say that Trayvon's going to become Chris Dolman. Chris Dolman's a Hall of Fame player. But I believe that he can become that type of player as far as that style, because the style that he plays with. You know, the other night when uh, the left tackle for the Cleveland Browns, uh, Jedrick Willis, I believe it is, right? Yep. And he makes that inside move. He draws the holding penalty. Did you see how how effortless it was when he went underneath and then Jedrick Willis is almost like strangling him to stop him, and he can't. Yeah, right. He can't. I mean, even with an illegal move, he can't slow him down because he's so strong. And that's what, what Dolman used to do and that Chris would get this. He always had this slap rip move, okay? And then when he sunk that rip move, it was literally like the guy wasn't even there, that he was just running around that little hoop thing that the defensive linemen do in practice. It was like the offensive lineman wasn't even there. He was so strong and slapping That's him out of the way. strong he was. He just ran by him. And Trayvon has that similar strength to that. And, uh, but he makes things just look so easy. The, the separation and getting off of blocks – Something that I want Devon Hamilton to be more like. Mm. You know, it's violent, but effortless. But it's the violence, the initial violence, and then the, 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 the departure. The, well, I call it as departure violence. The departure violence that Trayvon has, he's not like herky-jerky, but he's just so strong. He's moving the guy quickly and getting off. And then his acceleration to the ball, he's always around the ball. He gets pass rushed up the field, and he gets past the quarterback. He has a natural way of going, okay, I'm too far, and he comes back. And a lot of that is just instinct. Yeah, so right. a lot of things to be excited about and just you know, just a guy to throw out there, Chris Dolman. And that's you know, and a lot of – some people may not remember Chris Dolman, but he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game, longtime Minnesota Viking. And when those guys played in Minnesota, man, it was – it was something to watch those four guys that they had up front, him and Millard and John Randall. Holy cow. Pretty decent. Noga. Pretty decent. I mean, four of the best to ever play the game as a group. So how many holding penalties will Trayvon Walker force on <laughs> offensive linemen this year? Oh, he'll get plenty. What do you think? He'll get plenty. Ten? That stri- because of that strength, he'll get plenty. I mean, that's just a bit of, because when you have that level of strength and, some, and you have the movement to go with it, you know, because there's a lot of guys that have strength. Devon Hamilton has strength. Yeah. Okay, but you don't see him draw a lot of holding calls because he doesn't have that the little bit of that movement or that violent departure. You're holding people because you just got beat, basically. Right. And right. You got to right, save right. your quarterback. Yeah. Tr- Trayvon is uh, is right. fun to watch, and you know, and watching him two games and watching his progress, it's been immense, and uh, and so far, everything that you're seeing is all positive, and the the guy is wired right. And I think that's important. We'll come back in a moment, Logs, and get into the injury report. Players ruled out by head coach Doug Peterson for Saturday night's game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Check out the official Jaguars podcast network. It's free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. iHeartRadio as well. We'll have this program archived, Jaguars reporters, the Huddle Up podcast, and much more. Give us that five-star rating and plenty of comments. We're back in a moment. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. I'm Mike Duff, too. 
Are you fighting up? <laughs> hey, world, world, listen. This guy got a big old head. Big old head. <laughs> no, they turned it off. They just turned it off because the jokes was terrible. They're like, oh, we got to cut this out. I had a whole world last. <laughs> Down last. LOL. LMAO. That is Laquan Treadwell mic'd up. Yes, indeed. Uh, coming soon to Jaguars.com. Uh, LaVisca Chenault uh, back and forth with him. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. We're also mic'd up. I'm J.P. Shadrick. That's Jeff Lagerman. They don't wear mics like this, though. No, that would be kind of obvious. Right, yeah, it'd be a little, little difficult to move. It, it is amazing how they you know, craft the technology to, to make that work, though. They have a little protective thing in the back of the pads and right, it's, it's wire kinda, it up. You know how kind of sometimes, a lot of times, you have the the phone pockets in like a pair of shorts or something like that. It's, it's similar. They do the same thing on the shoulder pad, and they put the receiver in. It's not very big, and then they run the wire with uh, with tape, and everything's you know secured so it wouldn't become any kind of a of a of a you know health risk to the player. But when whenever you were mic'd up as a player, you always let people know that you were mic'd <laughs> up. <laughs> were you ever mic'd up? Uh, I don't know if I ever was or not. Um, I don't think I was, but I have been a part of a couple mic'd ups. In other words, I was <laughs> like somebody talking yeah. when somebody else was mic'd up. <laughs> but when you were mic'd up, you would always go up to so like if I was, you and I were talking, I would approach you in the first before you say anything, you would tap your chest and say I'm hot. Which means I'm I've got a mic on. Okay. Good. Okay. So yeah. I'm hot. So that lets the guy know high regard for yourself apparently. Don't say anything. No, not in that fashion. <laughs> don't say anything that you may end up regret later on. Sure. So, Trying to help your teammates out. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh but, but it's, it's cool and it, it I think I think micing up players is awesome. Two reasons. One, it allows allows an inside look. Especially, I like the mic'd up parts where people are playing. I don't like the sideline. I mean, the sideline banter when it's about ball, I think, is awesome. But, you know, if it's about, oh, hey, LOL, eh, whatever. <laughs> I like it when it's about the game. You know, the game and, and the conversation on the field and the interaction on the sideline and trying to resolve something that's happening on the field. That's the thing that I like because that's the inside look. I mean, that's the the all-access that fans want to have more of from the NFL perspective. They love some of the sideline stuff, too. But for me, I've, I've been on the sideline, and, I, and you know, I know what all that stuff is about. But the stuff that's interesting is the game part. Our uh, Jaguars.com crew does a great job with that. Jaguars PR department as well to get that together with oh, the players. Awesome. And the players for allowing it. They don't have to say yes. I mean, they, they, they want to be a part of it sometimes too. So it's great to have all that connected, and, and they do a fantastic job. It's, a, it's amazing that the, uh, the technology can withstand the, the violence of the yeah. game. Yeah. Because the technology has just, be, it's just come so far. It, it's amazing. What you can do with just a little little device nowadays, you know. Well, it's time now for the injury report, mm. presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, these players ruled out by head coach Doug Peterson; they will not play Saturday 
Devin Lloyd, who was actually back in some of the install today with the team, the 11 on defense and the uh, starters today for a moment, didn't play in the 11-on-11 period. Uh, Lloyd will not play this week. Will Richardson, Jr., offensive lineman. Uh, James Robinson starting to work his way back into team drills off that Achilles injury. The running back will not play, though. Badera Treor, offensive lineman, is out. And Darius Williams will not play either. The Jaguars cornerback. Those are the five listed today by head coach Doug Peterson. Well, it's good news for James Robinson. That seems to be progressing a little bit. Well, let me just leave that list up there for a minute because Devin Lloyd is doing practice in a limited fashion. That's positive. He's on his way back. Uh, Will Richardson didn't seem to be doing anything. James Robinson is doing some certain drills, and they're doing a a very – controlled monitoring of what he is and is not doing on a daily basis. And so that's good. But uh, Doug also talked this week about, hey, look, the expectation is we can get him back or we hope to get him back. It was kind of twofold. <laughs> You're expecting to get him back, but we hope to get him back. And so – Yeah, it's well, kind of two sides of it. But because, hey, And the reason why is because, know. you know, you, you would hope to get him back. But the reality is you're talking about a player coming back from injury and there's really no way of knowing exactly – how the body will respond. I mean, sometimes the body responds in a great positive way, and sometimes the body just doesn't act the way that you want it to act. Uh, Darius Williams, another guy that is wearing the red uh, pullover jersey on top of his practice jersey, and so he's doing drills, but the shoulder surgery that he had in the offseason, they don't want him to have certain contact, and that's smart. Look, that's part of the process. Uh, The good thing is is that he's getting – getting some reps out there on the field. So I think the target date for him is opening week, and that would be great to get him and Devin Lloyd back. The concern that I have out of all of those guys, James has played the game, and I think that that's going to be a process coming back. You know, he might end up being, uh, you know, X number of carries on the low scale to begin with to working his way back to where then he can become a carry-the-load guy more as he works his way back. But Devin Lloyd. He's probably going to go into the opener without having played at all. Yeah, I was going to say, do you even put him out there against the Falcons in the game? Because you might get some reps with him in the practice field next week. I mean, maybe. Well, I, I, I don't think know. It's a, it's a great question. And is that is that what you want your first eleven on eleven experience to be against another team? No. Uh, in practice? No. Well, you know, it's you, not for, ideal, right? I'm, I'm saying you don't want your first 11-on-11 experience to be in a real game. Sure, yeah. When you talk about uh, get, trying to you try to get adapted to the tempo, and then if you get thrown out there in a regular season game, look, the, the tempo in practice is, is here, okay? The tempo in the preseason is here. Which is higher. Okay, and then the practice in a regular season game is here. It is much higher. It, you know, it, it ramps, it elevates. So the, the talent level goes up. The speed of the game goes up. The depth of the game plan is increased. Everything is bigger, faster, stronger, deeper in, in its entirety moving out of preseason into the regular season. I think it was yesterday the Jags' offense was working in a red zone drill, 11-on-11, and James Robinson's out there and kind of runs over right guard, right tackle, around the five-yard line, and then does a spin move at the goal line and get Mm -hmm. in. I'm like, wait, oh, okay. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice to see. You know, from watching him, from watching him, he's definitely making progress, and it's amazing. Uh, Running back with coming back from an Achilles – Wow. Yeah, I mean, right. that, that's first of all, what a tremendous accomplishment just to be back out there practicing. 
And is he back 100%? No, I think there's some times where, you know, you can see that he is not quite up on the ball of his foot at times. But that's part of the process. Just coming back, you watch guys come back from knees and such. The explosion, the, the – and as an athlete sometimes, you know you're back when you're not thinking about doing something. So, in other words, you're not mentally trying to make your body do something. You're just doing it just because it's a reaction. When you get to that point, you know you're back. And, and James is not there yet from my eyes, but you can see that he is, he is making tremendous progress. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, we're back in a moment with a preview of the preseason Week 2 game. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up. And then at 5 o'clock, the Doug Peterson Show. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. And if you're watching on Jaguars.com or Jaguars social media, a live look at the Miller Electric Center construction site just outside TIAA Bank Field. It's been a wet afternoon, apparently. Big storms rolling through, and it's a mud puddle right now around it, but the construction continues very well, and it looks like the they're starting to begin uh, the grandstand for the outdoor fields, which is good news. About 2,100 seats, a little over that capacity for fans starting next training camp. Hmm. How about that? Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Uh, looking forward to seeing the completed project and uh, seeing exactly how beautiful that thing's going to be. Because it's going to be state-of-the-art now. I mean, that's going to be top-notch and looking forward to that. Wish we had that back when I was playing here. <laughs> you know, here, here's the reality, though. Does it, I mean, do, do facilities make you better? I think in some ways they can because the latest technology, the latest uh, uh, things that you can do in football to, you, to have the room for it and the size for it. And the, the game is, is growing when I first came in the league in 1989, it was it was very small. Staffs were still considerably small. The buildings didn't need to be big, and it's become such a big business. Uh, the growth has been incredible, and obviously the revenue has increased as well. And there is uh, an arms race aspect to the NFL now, which didn't exist. College football, I think, pushed the NFL along. <laughs> They've been at it for a long time. But then there. also yeah. free agency. Uh, when you get to free agency, if, if – if you've got an attractive facility and somebody doesn't and if things are kind of equal, the player's going to go, you know what, the opulence of this new facility, man, that's really cool. I really like it. So it can make a difference. I mean, in college, it's like these the schools change their newly opened weight room every two years or something well, and, just because they're going to keep up because LSU got a bigger one all of a sudden. So Alabama's got to get another one. And then, oh, the locker room is different. Saying, it's the arms it's like, race. It's nonstop it didn't, in college. Did, didn't uh, the University of Florida just open they up They just opened theirs. a new center. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, each player has like a recliner at his locker. Of course locker. they do. What? Why wouldn't they? We had, we had metal stools. Oh, wow. Yeah. You play it, with, it was great. It was fine. It's totally fine. I mean, Where did you hang your leather helmet? Um. Yeah, and and nowadays they have the lockers have this um 
air yeah, they got a, flow system. They've got that here. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So that the, the, the shoulder pads and everything get dry. And back in the day, you would go out and stick it outside in the sun and get them dry <laughs> before the practice or just leave them out on the floor of the locker room. And they would have those big, giant floor fans blowing on them to try to get them dry enough or at least drier for the uh, second practice of the day. You know, back, JP, when you did have oh, a second in, practice. Yeah, the back, way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like I like the way things are now though. I mean I would. I'm love sure the players love it. Too. I mean it makes sense. You're protecting the That's guys, crazy. getting them ready. You're still getting work in, but you're not you know bashing heads for you know eight hours a day. So let me per, per, a little explanation on kind of how nice this current thing is, and I and I I believe this is the way it should have been forever. But you go back to okay, you played the game on Friday night, right? You got the weekend off. Come back, you have a, a, a full day's work on Monday, night practice, and then. Tuesday you're off again and have very demanding practice again on Thursday light practice and then tomorrow you probably have like a walkthrough in preparation for the game because you're you're doing a little bit more game planning so uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that schedule and I think it's amazing I think it's the way it should have been for many years so coming up this Saturday the Steelers and the Jaguars a seven o'clock kickoff time at TIAA Bank Field tickets at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000 the game presented by Pet Paradise with over 50 locations to serve pet fanatics like you nationwide. Book today at PetParadise.com. Pet Paradise, the official pet care provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Starters are going into the second quarter, at least, Doug Peterson says, on both sides of the ball. And he wants to see the defense a little bit longer. What do you expect, just offhand, um, out of the Pittsburgh Steelers? They, they've got some quarterback questions up there, too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this preseason game, and it's kind of hard to know what to expect anymore. And the reason why I say that is that with three preseason games, the mindset has changed somewhat. Some people believe that the second preseason, when I say three preseason, ignore the Hall of Fame game because Jaguars were the only one that had one. So everybody else has three. So if you look at just the three games. Many people believe that the second one is the important one, and some believe that the last one is more important because you're getting two weeks off mm -hmm. from the last one all the way until the, the, their opener. So what's the best approach? I don't know if there is necessarily a, a best approach. For the Jaguars, I think the best way to do it is for their starters to play this week and then when you travel to Flowery Branch next week for a preseason game with the Falcons – you play your starters in the practice that you're going to have with the Falcons a ton because that's a controlled environment. And so you're still getting the feel of facing a, an elevated competition level, a different scheme, different uh, techniques that players have or different traits that players have. And you're getting more reps in a practice sometimes than you would get if you're playing in a preseason game. So for, from the Jaguar standpoint, I think the best way to do it would be to play a lot of guys a lot of time in this week's game against Pittsburgh. And then in Atlanta, get your practice time in with your starters in Flowery Branch and then don't play them in that preseason game. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, it might be different. Than, you know, they may not have practice with somebody next week. So maybe for them it's beneficial to play their starters this week for a little bit and then more so next week. But I don't know what their approach is going to be. It's going to be interesting from the standpoint of 
mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't had to worry about finding a new quarterback for 18 years. A long time, man. Ben, 18. Ben was there forever. Yeah. And so you sign Trubisky. You still have a guy that's there that really is no good. And then you go out and you draft a guy in the first round and pick it. And uh, Pickett played pretty well in the first preseason game, at least from a number standpoint. And uh, so I think from a Pittsburgh Steelers standpoint, the the Steeler Nation is going to be watching very closely to find out who's going to win that quarterback battle because that is a big deal. For the Jaguars, we have we have a we have a right tackle me. battle here in Jacksonville. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, right, right tackle <laughs> battle, and uh, oh yeah, we we didn't come back to the other battle in the offensive we, line. Well, we you it. you dropped the ball on. Well, that, we're JP. back. Man. We got a few minutes left. You were ter- um, too busy about you know patting yourself on the back for the changing of the guard statement that you made. You thank know? you. Uh, left guard. <laughs> so Ben Barch yesterday was his first. Uh, my shoulder is sore from patting my other shoulder. Uh, so. Uh, he he got in in with the first team yesterday for the first time in practice at least. Uh, it didn't ben last Barch, long. No, he had left. He told me today that he had some. He was sick and okay, but a number of guys left yesterday's practice. Either way, hmm. didn't last long. He was back out there today though with the first team. So uh, is that a true changing of the guard? Is that permanent? You think? I think so, and I think that that's. Uh, I thought that Barch in the first two preseason games played very well. He's played – remember I said last year I thought he was one of the most improved players with the football team. I thought he did a really good job, and I think he still has got a, He still has a lot of work to do with his feet and the, you know, the, and the mental process. But, and, and also to allow time with Fortner to get comfortable putting Shatley next to him to begin camp, I think it was a smart approach. And Barch was inserted uh, with the starters yesterday, and then he left practice because of dehydration, I guess. I mean, it's what it, overheating, whatever it was. But I, I think that that's, that's the best, I think, for this football team. I think Barch is a little stronger. Shatley didn't have the best preseason game against Cleveland. And I think Shatley's best position is what he's been doing for a long time. I think he's an incredibly valuable backup. And then he's a guy that can be a starter at center if you need him. The one thing I am surprised about, you have the Cleveland Browns who have now lost two centers. They lost one in the game against the Jaguars on Friday night. Then they lost one over the weekend or the first part of the week in practice. And then you also have the the center situation with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm surprised, and maybe it has happened. I don't know. But if, if I'm one of those two teams, I'm calling the Jaguars and saying, hey, look, what would it take for me to acquire Tyler Shatley? Two first-round picks this year, <laughs> next year. Make it three. In cash considerations. Make it three. But I would – I mean, that's – I mean, who knows? Uh, but uh, – so I, I think Shatley's best position is as, as a backup center. I think he can be a starter in this league. I think he, uh, he absolutely could be one of the top 30 centers in the league. And uh, that's his natural position, and they had him at guard. I don't think that's his best position. I think his best position is center. But that just goes to show you how much they think of Luke Fortner because Luke Fortner has had a very good camp. When you watch him play the game, he is very aware, very smart, and it's not perfect yet. They had to do some do-overs today, and when they're doing the the game planning stuff and and – and kind of explain some things. You could see that Phil Rauscher, the offensive line coach, was making sure that he was understanding what they expected with the calls. And that's 
you know, that's typical with a young player. And remember, you only get one kind of day of game planning, which is not a whole lot. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I like the situation there. And I think, you know, the sooner you settle the right tackle situation, the better, because then you can start to then bear with me here for a minute. Because if you choose to go with Walker Little at right tackle, then get him the reps. If you choose to go with Juwan, get him the reps. Then, if it's Juwan at right tackle, then you got to start getting some reps for a Walker Little at both left and right because mm. he's going to be the backup Back for both. both tackles. If it's Juwan, then you're going to want to get Juwan some reps at right tackle with the second teams and then maybe getting Walker Little some snaps over there at first team. But, but yeah, the sooner that you make that decision, the, the more prepared you will be once you get going into the regular season. But you have to let the competition play out. Yeah, we can't just guess right now. You just got to let it let it go. See what and happens. And it's tight. Like I said, it's been it's been yeah. kind of you know the needle's been moving back and forth a little bit. And uh, stay tuned. Of course, the uh, public tailgate show this Saturday at four o'clock. Countdown to kickoff on the Jaguars radio network at six o'clock. Television on Fox Thirty, and it uh, should be a good time at the bank. Come on out and see it. The Steelers and the Jaguars in preseason week two. Coming up in just a moment, the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. And uh, no Doug in the preseason. The schedules are wacky right now with everybody right. getting ready. So uh, we're, we're hoping once the regular season comes, we'll hear from Yeah, we're, we're not getting stiffed no, okay, not by the head coach. No, no, no. I mean, it's preseason. Their schedules are different. And then we're trying to work out exactly how it's going to work during the season. And we'll figure it out. But uh, the more important thing is the development of this football team, not a Doug Peterson radio show. I'd say. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Priority number one. Let's see. Time head coach to spend with JP and, and Logs, or <laughs> is it more important to spend time with Trevor? Well, we'll spend an hour together here in just a moment. How about that? Me and you, right. Logs. The uh, Doug Peterson show it. is coming up. That'll do it for Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.